You play to win the game. To all the non-believers, anybody can be beat. The best ever. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. Hello? You play to win the game. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from Nairclaw. There's no one that can match me. I'm handsome. I'm fast, I'm pretty, and can't possibly be beat. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. Can't wait. Welcome to the Versus Podcast. Now, this is a podcast that I've been wanting to do for maybe 10 years at this point. And I'm finally getting around to do it. So the idea of this podcast is that I'll be taking a mythical, historic fantasy matchups and pitting two teams, two players, two opponents versus the other and determining who would win. In this episode, I'm taking the 1994 Penn State Nittany Lions and facing them against the 1994 Nebraska Cornhuskers. So in 1994 was my freshman year in college. And I was watching football religiously, as I always do. I watched the Penn State Nittany Lions go undefeated, 12-0. And I watched the Nebraska Cornhuskers also go undefeated. But at the end of the year, Nebraska ended up with the national championship, and Penn State was left out in the cold again. Now, we're not going to go into some of their past undefeated seasons where they didn't win the national championship, but for this episode, the 1994 Penn State Nittany Lions was one of their better teams to not have won a national championship. Now, y'all have to remember that this was before the BCS. This was before the playoffs. So the number one and the number two team did not necessarily play each other. Nebraska was in the big, I think it was still the big eight at that time. And they were obligated to play in the Orange Bowl, whereas Penn State had just joined the Big Ten and they were obligated to the Rose Bowl. So these two undefeated teams, number one and number two, never played each other. So that's why we're going to have them play each other on the podcast today. The 1994 season started out with Florida as the number one team in the country. They stumbled somewhere along the way, and Penn State, who had steadily been moving up the polls every week with dominating performances with a high-octane offense, they moved into the top spot. They were number one. On the week that Penn State beat Ohio State, the number 21 team in the nation, Penn State was number one, Ohio State was number 21, Penn State beat them 63-14, to and they dropped out of the number one spot. Nebraska took over number one. Why? Because Nebraska was the number three team. They beat number two, Colorado. Beat them 24 to seven. So Penn State put up 63 points and lost the number one spot. They were never able to regain it. Nebraska, again, went undefeated. Penn State went undefeated. So let's dive into the matchup. So the way that we're going to determine who wins this contest is we're going to look at a number of elements. We're going to look at the talent on the two teams. We're going to look at offense versus defense 
on either side. So the Penn State offense versus the Nebraska defense, and then the Nebraska offense versus the Penn State defense. And then we're also going to look a, a little bit at special teams. And then finally, we're going to draw a conclusion based on those parameters, the, the talent levels, then the offense versus defense matchups. We're going to first look at the talent levels. All right. And so the way that we're going to determine the talent level of a team is through a point system. So we're going to go by the number of players drafted and then the number of Pro Bowls and individual accolades that those drafted players earned in the NFL. So, for instance, if a player was drafted in the first round, that's seven points. If they were drafted in the seventh round or was undrafted, that's one point. We're given points for the number of years that a player lasted in the NFL. So if you lasted one year or if you just were on a roster at some point, so maybe you didn't even actually play in an NFL game, we would still give you one point because you were on an NFL roster. A Pro Bowl is worth two points. So every Pro Bowl that a player made, that's an additional two points for their team's talent number. And if the if a player that was on that team made the NFL Hall of Fame, that's five points that goes to that team's talent number. And so we're using the NFL because the NFL is is only drafting talent. They're, that's their m- main concern. Their primary concern is getting talented players from college to help them win. So if you were drafted, the NFL believes you have talent. If you played for a certain number of years, any number of years, then your talent was good enough to keep you in the league. And obviously, if you became a pro bowler or a Hall of Famer, then you know your talent and your skill level was, was high. All right, so we're going to look at the 1994 Nebraska Cornhuskers first. A total of 18 players were drafted. Three players were drafted in the first round, so we're giving them seven points for the first round, six points for the second round, five points for the third, so on and so forth. Seventh round and undrafted, uh, that's one point. So the Nebraska Cornhuskers had three first-round draft picks, three second-round draft picks, three third-round draft picks, four fourth-round, one fifth-round, four sixth-round, and no seventh-round or undrafted players for a total of 79 points. Now, those players played a total of 111 seasons combined. And we're giving one point per year, so that's 111. And then two points for every Pro Bowl. There was only one player to make the Pro Bowl off of this team, and that was Corey Schlesinger, the fullback. He made three NFL Pro Bowls. And no players made the Hall of Fame off of this team. Although I was pretty sure Lawrence Phillips was going to make the Hall of Fame. So the Nebraska Cornhuskers earned... 79 points for the draft, 111 points for years played, and 6 points for Pro Bowls, giving them a total of 196 points. 
switching over to the Penn State Nittany Lions, they also had 18 players drafted. However, they had five first-round draft picks, three second-round, one third-round, one fourth-round, two fifth-rounds, two sixth-rounds, and four seventh- and undrafted-round players for a total of 76 points. They played a total of 139 seasons. Three Nittany Lion players made Pro Bowls in the NFL. Kerry Collins, the quarterback, made two Pro Bowls. Jeff Hardings and Marco Rivera, both offensive linemen, made Pro Bowls. Hardings making two Pro Bowls and Rivera making three Pro Bowls. At two points a Pro Bowl, that's 14 Pro Bowl points for the Nittany Lions. And no player on this team made the Hall of Fame. So Penn State earned 76 draft points, 139 years played points, and 14 Pro Bowl points for a total of 229 points. So as far as talent goes, according to this metric, the 94 Penn State Nittany Lions had more talent than the Nebraska Cornhuskers, 229 to 196. Now let's look at Nebraska's offense versus Penn State's defense. In preparation for this game, I watched Nebraska versus West Virginia, Texas Tech, UCLA, Kansas State, Colorado, Oklahoma, and finally the Orange Bowl game against Miami. After watching those 94 Cornhusker games, here's what stood out. Nebraska had a great run-blocking offensive line, especially to the right side, behind Brendan Stye and Zach Wiegert, their offensive guard and tackle. This is not surprising as both of those players ended up playing many years in the NFL. They were road graders on the right side and opened up many holes for their star running back, Lawrence Phillips. Nebraska ran a combination of option and power eye. Power eye mostly to the right side behind Wiegert and Stye, and they would wear down defenses, hammering them over and over again. And also running option with quarterback Tommy Frazier, who was an extremely athletic quarterback, often pitching it to Lawrence Phillips, who was a power back with speed and agility. Nebraska averaged 35 points a game, but for most of the season, Tommy Frazier did not play. Nebraska would wear opponent defenses down by running the ball over and over, forcing them to go sideline to sideline to stop the option, and then pounding them up the middle with their stellar offensive line and first-round draft pick running back Lawrence Phillips. A classic example of this comes from the game against Miami in the Orange Bowl, where early on, Miami seemed to be the better team, the faster team, and had a defensive line that could stand up to Nebraska's offensive line. But with the continued pounding, the continued option to make the defensive line and linebackers run sideline to sideline, Miami eventually wore down, and Nebraska was able to overtake Miami, win the game, and win the national championship. But the running game was not invincible. There were times in the season where if a defense was disciplined and had timely run blitzes, 
guessing which side Nebraska would run to, which oftentimes was the right side, then Nebraska's running game could be slowed. Maybe not stopped, but slowed. A great example of this is the Oklahoma game, where Oklahoma showed great discipline, great run fits, and timely blitzing to stifle the Nebraska offense. Granted, Tommy Frazier did not play in that game, which limited Nebraska's explosiveness, but Nebraska only won 13-3. And you saw it in bits and pieces throughout the season as well. Early, Very early in the West Virginia game, you saw this discipline and timely blitzing causing Nebraska a, a little bit of problems, but Nebraska quickly adjusted and blew the doors off West Virginia. Nebraska's passing game was subpar. Tommy Frazier was a great option quarterback, very athletic, but his passing abilities left a lot to be desired. He stared down receivers and threw late, allowing DBs to recover and to make plays on the ball. Nebraska relied heavily on surprise throws as 80 to 90% of the time they were going to be running the ball, either option or power eye. So they relied on surprise play action to get defensive backs out of position so that Tommy Frazier could deliver passes downfield. While they connected on a number of deep passes over the course of the season, overall the passing game was pretty atrocious. Switching over to Penn State's defense, I watched Penn State versus Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan State, and the Rose Bowl game against Oregon. Here's what stood out about the Penn State defense. There were no star players on this Penn State defense. However, they were extremely disciplined, never out of position, rarely falling for fake plays. The defense was stout up the middle. It was hard for teams to run between the tackles against this Penn State defense. The front seven was solid, were always in position to make a play, and they gave opposing running games fits up the middle. However, plays run outside the tackle box gave Penn State a lot of trouble. Their linebackers were stout up the middle going downhill, but sideline to sideline, they were very slow. Mobile quarterbacks gave them trouble when they ran outside the tackle box, and run plays that bounced to the outside gave them fits as well. Their linebackers were solid, they just weren't fast, and they weren't able to react and get over quickly enough to limit the damage. This was evident in almost every game. Penn State played disciplined assignment defense, but were slow to react to plays bounced to the outside. This was evident in the Michigan game and the Ohio State game where Ohio State ran an option play and it really confused the defense. They picked up nine yards. In the Michigan State game, their quarterback, Tony Banks, was a mobile quarterback and his scrambling gave them trouble. Against the pass, the corners of Penn State were also solid players. No superstars. Just good, solid players. They often played off the line against speedy receivers, 
because they themselves were not extremely fast. Oftentimes, when teams were hurting Penn State to the outside in the running game, the cornerbacks would start playing closer to the line to help in run defense. But it was rare to see the Penn State secondary getting beat or shredded by an opposing quarterback. Like the defense as a whole, they knew their job, knew their assignment, they were disciplined, no one tried to play hero ball, and the defense was largely successful. And while Penn State's secondary was disciplined and in position, they needed to be because the Penn State pass rush was non-existent. Penn State consistently had to blitz to get to the quarterback. Penn State's defense gave up 21 points a game, but because their offense scored so quickly, as we'll get into later, they gave opposing offenses many more opportunities to score, so 21 points a game might be misleading. Now let's move over and look at Penn State's offense against Nebraska's defense. Penn State's offense had five first-round draft picks. Quarterback Kerry Collins, running back Kijana Carter, who went number one overall, tight end Kyle Brady, then offensive guard Jeff Hardings, and offensive tackle Andre Johnson. Kijana Carter shredded his knee in the preseason game for the Cincinnati Bengals, so we never really got to see how good he could be as a running back in the NFL. After his knee injury, he was never the same player. But to say that he was the number one overall pick means that the NFL and the Cincinnati Bengals in particular saw a lot of potential and talent in the Penn State running back. What stood out the most about this Penn State offense was their run balance. There were about 55 runs to 45 passes, maybe 60-40 run to pass ratio. And because of that, their play action was ridiculous. Their offensive line did a great job of opening holes for Kijana Carter. He often ran untouched for five to ten yards past the line of scrimmage. The offensive line was stout in the power run game, but they were mobile as well and were able to run sweeps and traps to spring holes for Kijana Carter. Penn State had a ton of speedy wide receivers led by Bobby Ingram a second-round NFL draft pick. As dynamic as their running game was, their passing attack for the time period was highly advanced, highly effective, and shredded defenses. Kerry Collins made quick decisions and got rid of the ball quickly. His skill position players were dynamic in the open field. Bobby Ingram, tight end Kyle Brady, who was a top-ten pick, and even Kijana Carter could catch passes out of the backfield. This offense struck quickly, most evident in the game against Michigan State, where in the first half, Penn State went three plays, 50 yards, in 43 seconds for a touchdown. Three plays, 76 yards, in 43 seconds, touchdown. Seven plays, 69 yards, a minute, 43 seconds, touchdown. Six plays, 48 yards, a minute 48 field goal. And then the opening drive of the third quarter, a minute 45 touchdown. But even though this was a quick strike offense, Penn State could also wear you down and grind you out as well. 
This is evidenced in the Michigan game where Penn State employed a power run game to wear down and defeat Michigan. In short, this Penn State offense was a handful. They averaged 47 points a game. Their lowest scoring game of the season was 31 points. This is how dynamic the Penn State offense was. Looking at the Nebraska defense, this is a unit that gave up only 12 points a game. They held the highly explosive Colorado, number two at the time, Colorado Buffaloes, to seven points and completely demolished the number 24 West Virginia Mountaineers, shutting them out. Nebraska blitzed a lot and left their corners in man coverage. More often than not, the pass rush got to the quarterback with two future NFL players on the defensive line and with the plethora of blitzes that Nebraska's defense employed, they did a great job of stifling offenses in both the running game and the passing game. But this Nebraska secondary could be exploited. Speedy wide receivers often got open against this secondary. In the UCLA game, receivers were were running open But in that game, the pass rush got there quickly enough where the quarterback was unable to deliver the pass accurately. And in the Miami game, those speedy receivers were hurting Nebraska's secondary as well. But as the game progressed, Nebraska's blitz got closer and closer and closer until finally they were harassing Miami's quarterback and eventually caused problems for the passing game. Nebraska's run defense was stout. They would occasionally give up big running plays, as they did to Rashawn Salam in the Colorado game. But as Penn State's defense is disciplined and played assignment football, so did Nebraska's. So looking at the matchup between Penn State's offense and Nebraska's defense, this is a strength-on-strength matchup. 47 points a game for Penn State's offense, versus giving up only 12 points a game for Nebraska's defense. In special teams play, Penn State has very good kick coverage and punt return coverage, although they did give up a kick return to Michigan State's Derek Mason. They're solid, but nothing special. Nebraska's special teams had Darren Erstad as a punter. Darren Erstad, who ended up playing Major League Baseball for several years, He consistently flipped the field with booming punts. I think his longest on the season was like 73 yards. He stood out as a difference maker in special teams. We've evaluated the talent. We've looked at each team's offense versus the other team's defense. And now it's time for us to determine who wins the game between the 1994 Penn State Nittany Lions and the 1994 Nebraska Cornhuskers. In this game, we want to see both teams at their best. Nebraska's best is with Tommy Frazier at quarterback. During the season, he had several blood clots in his legs and had to sit out many games. But in this game, he's healthy. He's 100%. Early in the game, Nebraska does a good job of taking away Penn State's running game. But with Penn State's balance on offense, Nebraska is burned in the secondary several times. 
Penn State scores easily against this Nebraska defense early on. Penn State's defense, a disciplined, solid, but not spectacular unit, displays timely run blitzes, an excellent assignment gap control. It's Penn State's run blitzes that are giving Nebraska a little bit of issue. But as the game progresses, Nebraska makes adjustments, and not only adjustments, but the higher caliber of talent, the higher caliber of player in Nebraska's offensive line versus Penn State's defensive line becomes more and more apparent. Penn State has been winning early with their scheme, but Nebraska more and more starts to get the edge in terms of their talent. Nebraska grinds away at the Penn State defense with their power run game. Even though Penn State is stout up the middle, the Nebraska offensive line is more than Penn State can handle. Nebraska's option gives Penn State's run defense a lot of trouble. The linebackers aren't able to stop Tommy Frazier and Lawrence Phillips on the outside. As the game progresses, Penn State's cornerbacks have to come up further and further to give help against the run. And although Nebraska has eaten up a lot of time of possession in the first half, Penn State's quick strike offense is able to put up points in short amount of time, exploiting this Nebraska secondary. Nebraska continues to blitz, and early in the game, the blitz is not getting there. Kerry Collins is able to quickly get rid of the ball to his playmakers. At the half, Penn State leads Nebraska 21-7. In the second half, as Penn State's running game behind Kijana Carter, has been stifled. They go less and less to the run. They're passing the ball more and more frequently. This starts to make them more predictable. Their play-action game, though still effective, is less so because Nebraska knows they can stop the run. Nebraska's blitz, just like in the Miami game, is getting closer and closer to sacking Kerry Collins. Penn State's quick strike offense is striking less and less frequently, and they're slowly being forced to try to grind it out against this Cornhuskers defense. Penn State's defense, on the other hand, is being slowly worn down. They're being manhandled at the point of attack. Nebraska's running game is imposing its will. The offensive line is imposing its will. Lawrence Phillips and Tommy Frazier, they're imposing their will on the Penn State defense. And though they're disciplined, and though they're stout up the middle, they don't have the horses that Nebraska has on the offensive line. And they don't have the linebackers who can slow down and stop the option. Even bringing their corners up is doing little to slow this run game down. Ultimately, with Nebraska controlling the time of possession, and their defense being able to slow down the Penn State offense in the second half, and the Nebraska blitz eventually getting to Kerry Collins. The 1994 Nebraska Cornhuskers defeat the 1994 Penn State Nittany Lions 
35 to 28. So why did I pick the Nebraska Cornhuskers to beat the Penn State Nittany Lions? Well, it came down to the Penn State at Illinois game, the Nebraska-Miami game in the Orange Bowl, and the fact that Penn State would have trouble containing Nebraska's option. In the Penn State at Illinois game, Illinois was, I think at the time, the best defense in the country, and definitely one of the best by the end of the year. At the time of the game, Illinois was giving up 11 points a game, and at the end of the season, they gave up only 13 points a game. They had Kevin Hardy and Simeon Rice, who were both Pro Bowl caliber NFL linebackers, drafted in the first round, number two and number three overall, respectively. So this was a quality defense, the best defense that Penn State faced. And in the first half, Illinois pretty much shut them out. Now, to Penn State's credit, they came back in the second half and demolished this defense. But the game showed that Penn State's explosive offense could be held in check for a half. Now, I don't know if Nebraska's defense is as good as Illinois, if they're on par, if they're better, but they're certainly in the discussion of best defense in the country. So if Illinois' defense could hold Penn State for a half, I feel confident Nebraska's defense could also hold Penn State for a half. In the Illinois game, it would be the first half, but in this fictitious game, it would be Nebraska in the second half holding Penn State to minimal points. In the Nebraska versus Miami game in the Orange Bowl, Miami early on was clearly the better team. Just like I think Penn State in the early going of this fantasy matchup, Penn State will be clearly the better team. But as the game progressed, Nebraska began to wear Miami down. Nebraska's offensive line, even as Warren Sapp single-handedly demolished them (laughs) early in the game, even as Warren Sapp looked like the number one overall pick in that game, obviously he didn't end up being the number one pick, but he probably should have, Nebraska wore Miami down on the offensive line and on the defensive line. Nebraska's blitzes got closer and closer to the Miami quarterback, eventually causing and forcing turnovers. So the two best offenses that Nebraska faced, Colorado, who was the number two team at the time, and I believe the number two offense at the time they played Nebraska, as well as this Miami team, Nebraska's defense showed up. They held Colorado to just seven points. And although they gave up a number of points early to Miami, they ended up holding Miami to 17 points on the game. So it's it's those games that swayed me to pick the Nebraska Cornhuskers. That in addition to the fact that Penn State would really have no shot of stopping Nebraska's option game. Their linebackers are just too slow they really would not have a chance. 
Thank you for joining me as I explore this mythical matchup between the 1994 Penn State Nittany Lions and the 1994 Nebraska Cornhuskers. If you like this podcast, definitely subscribe, like, leave a rating and a review, and tell me which matchup you would like to see. Can't wait!